Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, y'all, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we believe what Thomas Aquinas once said, theology is taught by God, teaches God, and leads to God. And here at Kitchen Table Theology, we are seeking not only to help you know solid biblical theology, but to be led to God by it. As we begin today's podcast, we want to say thank you for leaving us those ratings and reviews. One recent review came in from SS Cheese. I'm going to go with cheese on that one. (laughs) S-S-C-H-I-S. I I don't know what. Not cheese like the, you know, grilled cheese, but C-H-I-S. Cheese. Something like that. Well, anyways, we thank whoever this was who said they really enjoy listening to the podcast and we really enjoy doing it. So thanks for leaving us those ratings and reviews. We deeply appreciate it because it does help us to reach more and more people. We sure do. Thank you for doing that. You know what I was thinking the other day? It would be fun to know where people listen to this where where they're at we have the plot map don't we don't we have like the little map i'm sorry i'm not being clear what they're doing oh not like what portion of the world okay yeah we do yeah we do kind of know where the listeners are globally oh well they would have to write in and tell us where they're (laughs) yeah but (laughs) where exactly they're listening from yeah absolutely i i listen when i'm driving yeah, or maybe walking, exercising, mm, who maybe. knows? Or sitting around in their small group with their Bibles open. You could. Well, we already know you can ask Alexa to play it. So Alexa you could do works. it in your kitchen. Yeah, yeah she'll Alexa do it. works. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, hey, we thought it might be good to remind us today as we're starting what we're tackling during this specific season of Kitchen Table Theology. We're learning so much and gaining a deeper appreciation for Jesus and what he has done in purchasing our salvation. So, Pastor Jeff, as we began this season, you shared with us that in the mid-1990s, you came across something in your reading that really impacted you. Being a theology nerd, as you self-excuse you, you, as you (laughs) self-proclaim, you purchased an eight-volume set of books entitled Systematic Theology by Dr. Lewis Berry Schaefer, the first president of Dallas Theological Seminary in Texas. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I promise not to nerd out. Okay, good. And I'm sure I bought it (laughs) because I needed them. Don't you? Every book I buy is because I need it. For a specific purpose. Only true. (laughs) Yeah, and I was just reading through it, and it was probably because I was taking some seminary classes back Mm, then, mm -hmm. and ran across this thing called the riches of divine grace, and that what God does instantaneously for us at salvation, they're they're not progressive things, they happen instantaneously, they're completely unrelated to human merit, you know, in, in other words, there's nothing of us in any of them, and they're eternal in their character, they're known to us only by revelation and that revelation is God's word and you know our fingerprints aren't on these things anywhere it's only what God does for us and the more we understand and and see the depth of what Christ has accomplished for us the better i think we can live for him and mm. and worship him and so that's what we've been doing over the last what dozen or so podcasts is taking a look at some of that 
Yeah, and so far, beginning with what I believe was episode 104, somewhere yes, in, in there, that's right. we've discussed and studied that we are part of God's eternal plan, that we are forgiven, that we are adopted, that we have an inheritance, that we're called children of God, that we're free in Christ and we're free from the law, that we are God's gift to Jesus. And then the last episode, we saw that we are made acceptable to God by the finished work of Christ on the cross. That sounds like enough in and of itself. <laughs> And of all these things, and there are more, they are brought about instantaneously on our behalf at the moment of salvation. And we've also thrown in three podcasts where we took a little bit of a diversion, so to speak, a little bit of a detour and studied the five solace of the Reformation and also answered some of your questions. So, Pastor Jeff, what are we going to jump into today? So, Jen, today we're going to look at something scripture calls us as believers. It tells us that we are a chosen generation or a chosen people, one, two, that we're a holy nation, and three, that we are a royal priesthood. We'll, we'll just bust this into, you know, each one of these. We'll, we'll just kind of take a look at each one of them separately. But th- those terms all come to us in some verses in First Peter. So, Jen, please read chapter 2, verses 7 through 9 for us, and you'll hear those terms come up. You who trust Christ recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So it makes sense to begin with first highlighted part of that, a chosen generation. So what does that mean exactly? Well, Peter uses language that had been used to describe God's special relationship with Israel right there. Mm-hmm. So when he says chosen people, that's always been referring to mm-hmm. the Jewish people. As Israel was, we believers, the church, are also a chosen race, or you can say generation mm-hmm. or people. Unlike Israel, though, we are not a race in the sense of our family, our ethnicity, our skin color, our country of origin. We are a spiritually chosen people. So in that sense, in Christ, we share a single spiritual father. So the New American Standard Translation says chosen people. The King James says generation. Another translation says race, a chosen race. Mm. And they all are translated from the same Greek noun, which means a relatively large people group or nation. Nation, a chosen nation or a chosen people, is the word ethnos. We we sometimes we use that word or the idea of that word in our own language. Mm-hmm. And that basically means a body of persons united by kinship, culture, and common traditions. God's very own possession is also in the end of or in verse 9 there. The King James has a striking translation. They call us a peculiar people. <laughs> and that that same word means that something that's been acquired, possessing possession, p- property. The same Greek words also used in Ephesians 1.14 where it says God's own possession. So the word people here, a chosen people, in, in the Greek refers specifically to the people who have a special relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. Special or peculiar. 
<laughs> peculiar. You know, I've heard people joke that the reason they're peculiar is because the Bible says they are. I think it has probably a whole yeah, lot but some more people to are do just weird. <laughs> with that. <laughs> but the meaning here is God's own special set apart people, well, I would not just peculiar s- like weird. Yeah, I'm not done having fun with that. Oh, yet. okay. <laughs> I would just say if you if you're a weird person and you need a verse to proof text your weirdness, mm-hmm. this is this is it. You've come to the right place. You, you we right can right help place. you rationalize help you, all of your disorders. All of your weirdness. You can go to First Peter two, seven through nine in the King James and say, See here, I'm Bible says I'm peculiar. Somebody should try that with their doctor or their mental health professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cured. <laughs> Yeah, the Bible says so. The Bible says so. But it's it's not that meaning. It's not the word weird. Here we're talking no. about being special, being set apart. Yeah. So God's own people contains, I think, two ideas in it. Number one, that we belong exclusively to God. And number two, that we we belong to others who are a part of this people. Mm. And this happens for us and to us instantaneously. At the moment of salvation. One of the many just amazing things Mm -hmm. that we've talked about. Okay, so let's keep going. What about that next term, royal priest or a royal priesthood? So that's something Peter referred to in verse 5 of chapter 2. He said, and you are living stones that God is building into his temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. So that's earlier in that same chapter. Though it was God's initial desire that all of his chosen people, the Jews, might be priests, and we read about that in Exodus 19, their fear or their reverence of God was not often met with faith. And so they asked God not to speak directly to them, mm. but through Moses. And that's in Exodus 20. You know, don't, don't speak to us, speak to us through Moses. So apparently as a result of that, an order of priesthood was set up, mm. starting with Aaron, who was Moses' brother. And Aaron, his sons, their descendants— became the priestly line, and the priests acted as mediators between the people and holy God, assisting with the sacrifices and presenting the sacrifices before the Lord, and being the mediators between the people and the Lord. It it was a very high calling, a very holy calling. But in the New Testament, God chooses a new people, a people of faith, and once more calls us all to be priests, if we're Christians. Mm. Priesthood, that word appears in verses 5 and verse 9, and it means a priesthood of royal rank or a priest in royal service. So we are called priests and told then that as believers we are priests, Mm -hmm. but how does that work exactly? Because I don't think I'm carrying out any priestly functions (laughs) as I imagine a priestly function to be. I'm definitely not getting special clergy parking or tax breaks or anything like that. I need to get some clergy parking around here myself. (laughs) I always park in the uh, security team. Security. I mean, that counts. That counts. Well, hey, is this then a positional thing or does it come into play kind of experientially as well? Well, if I see you showing up in some long robes some Sunday, yes, carrying, bringing a goat behind you, I'm going to get <laughs> maybe no, a no, Jen, that's, I like yeah, carry, that's yes. not what it means. <laughs> you put the goat back. Uh, that's a great question. So it, it really is positionally. It's not, you know, we're not carrying out priestly functions as a priest did in the temple, so to speak, back in the day. But we we still function as priests. So let's let's examine some of the key words in First Peter two five. Read those for us, please. 
You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So there, there's our job description, to offer up right. spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So to offer up means to offer something as a sacrifice. That's mm-hmm. literally what it means. And so what is our sacrifice that we offer up to God? It's our worship. Mm. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual means having to do with a divine, with the divine spirit caused by or filled with the divine spirit pertaining to, corresponding to the divine spirit. So we worship God through the Holy Spirit as Jesus said we would in John 4. So we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Sacrifices is exactly what you think it means, something that's offered as a sacrifice or an offering. And then in the Old Testament, the priests offered cattle, sheep, goats, birds, grain, incense, the list goes on. Mm. In the New Testament, the offerings, the sacrifices are spiritual Mm. and from the heart. And then so we offer up those spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God and that word acceptable means pleasant or welcome and something that pertains to being capable of eliciting favorable acceptance. So our sacrifices are acceptable only when offered through Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Mm-hmm. So there, there comes in Jesus as our priest. So historically, these verses describing all Christians as priests made a great impact upon Martin Luther who sought reform in the Roman Catholic Church. We talked about Luther a couple of podcasts Mm -hmm, ago. mm -hmm. Rather than just a select order of priests in the church, he came to see all of God's people being able to relate to God directly through the person of the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus Christ. And that led to what Paul calls in 1 Corinthians 2, the priesthood of believers. But hold on, I got that backwards. Okay. What Paul said led to what Martin Luther. Martin Luther didn't influence Paul. They were a couple fifteen hundred yeah, years apart. Chronological order yeah, I on got, that would be a little bit different. I, I got my <laughs> my tongue behind behind my eye teeth, and I couldn't see what I was saying there. So oh. Paul's talking about this priesthood of believers, and we're reading about First Peter, and Martin Luther's reading these same verses and going, "Wait a second. Okay, if all of us are priests, why do we have this special class?" A priest and only mm, them. Mm-hmm. So that led into a newer, fresh understanding or fuller understanding of the priesthood of believers. And so along those lines, being in that royal priesthood sounds like more like something that, that I am, that mm-hmm. we are, rather than something that we do. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, there you go. Well, while you're on a roll, one last question. <laughs> a holy nation, what is that? So the holy nation, that's a quote from Exodus 19. And nation refers to a multitude of people of the same nature. But we're a holy nation, so that means we, we're we set apart or consecrated. So Christians form a spiritual nation of people set apart to God. Jesus said in Matthew 21, 43, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. He's talking to the Jews. Mm. So Israel, the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from you and be given to a nation, that's the church, producing the fruit of it. So Jesus called this. Mm. So the kingdom of God, Israel, has been among you, but because you have not responded, especially to the Messiah, Jesus said it's going to be taken from you and given to another nation. He's talking about the church. So Christians are in every physical nation on earth, and spiritually, 
they and we now form a distinct, holy, in the right sense of the word, superior nation. Mm -hmm. The universal church is a supernatural people because it was brought into existence by supernatural acts of God. So because Christians are supernatural people belonging to God, we're also, therefore, pilgrims and strangers among these earthly nations in which we live. Mm. So if those of you listening today and you are a follower of Christ and you feel at times not welcome in the world. Mm-hmm. Boy, I just don't feel like I'm in step with the world. Well, that's a good thing. Isn't there a verse that says strangers and aliens? Yeah. It uses those, yeah. those terminal and some, yeah, and yeah. some. And that we don't tend to view ourselves that way, but we are. And so when you feel uncomfortable with the world, that's how it ought to be mm-hmm. because our nation is really the kingdom of God and, and the church. The holy discontent. The holy discontent. <laughs> There's a beautiful, that's a beautiful yeah. phrase. So, you know, the universal church of Christ then is supranational. It, it transcends all political, economic, military, and cultural differences. The church, we have a king to rule over us, Jesus Christ. We have laws to govern us, and th- those are the principles and precepts of the Bible. We have a national purpose, so to speak, and that's to glorify God. And we also have sort of a national anthem out of Revelation, saved by the blood of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. All of this is just such encouraging truth. Is there anything, not that we need to, but is there anything that we need to add to today's episode as we close? Well, you know, I love a good story. So mm-hmm. I, I ran across a story that I think encapsulates much of what we've been talking about today. And it's it, it takes place in the waning days of World War II in the Pacific Theater in the summer of 1945. There was a pretty well-known newsman named Clarence Hall, and he was following and embedded with American troops and going through Okinawa. He and his Jeep driver came upon this small town, large village sort of, that stood out really as quite a beautiful example of Christian community. He was really stunned by it. And here's what he wrote. We had seen other Okinawan villages down at the heels and despairing. By contrast, this one shone like a diamond in a dung heap. Mm. Everywhere we were greeted by smiles and dignified bows. Proudly, the old men showed us their spotless homes, their terraced fields, their storehouses and granaries, their prized sugar mill. Clarence Hall said, I saw no jail. I saw no drunkenness. Divorce was virtually unknown. And so he starts probing and he discovers that An American missionary had gone there 30 years before, so in the 1920s. And while he was in the village, he led two elderly townspeople to Christ and left them with a Japanese Bible. So these brand new believers studied the scriptures and started leading their fellow villagers to Christ. Now, Hall was assigned a Jeep driver to take him around. The Jeep driver said he was amazed at the difference between that village and the others around it. And he said this, So this is what comes out of only a Bible and a couple of old guys who wanted to live like Jesus? (laughs) You know, the the great power of God's Word leads to salvation through faith in Christ, creating a special people, a community of believers who love one another, exhort one another, serve God together. And we just need to pray that our churches will be an example of God's power to a watching world, Mm -hmm. that we would live as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood, and a chosen people. We were declared to be such at the moment of our salvation. Mm-hmm. And uh, as somebody once said, the world at its worst needs the church at its best. 
I love that statement. And I'm going to repeat that just in just a second, but as we close, but I find it interesting because I have met Christians as maybe you have as well, who get some swagger with that a little bit, like get a little bit of, well, I'm a part of the royal priesthood. And, and that can be really daunting to people who are questioning their faith or they're not believers. Mm -hmm. So I love the heart of that story. Yeah. That literally these are just two guys out in the middle of nowhere. So that statement, it's the power of a Bible and a couple of old right. guys. A couple you know, of old guys in a Bible. They weren't wearing yeah. the robes or toting the goat or any, <laughs> any of those things. They were just. But they understood. Being who they being were in Christ. Who they were in Christ. Yeah. Holy nation, royal priesthood, chosen people. Yeah. And it's something super applicable, I mean, to us today. And that's where I'll repeat this and we'll close. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. I feel like we should sing a hymn and take up an offer. I don't know. Well, we said there's power in the blood of the lamb. There's an <laughs> yeah, old hymn. Right. Well, there's several old hymns that have that yeah. in there. I don't think our listeners want that. So we're just going to no, say we'll get, Yeah, let's just say goodbye. Today. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening to Kitchen Table Theology. Please do take a moment wherever you're listening from and whatever you're doing while you're listening yes. from there. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> Pastor Jeff at LowCountryCC.org. Hey, while I'm working out. Hey, while I'm working out, walking walking, in the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) And do rate and review the podcast as well. You can do this on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you are listening from. It really does help us find new listeners and introduce them to the show and spread the kitchen table theology love. And also don't forget to check out today's episode show notes as well. As we always do, we want to say a special thanks to Danny and her team at Streamline Podcast for making us sound good and for the very helpful episode notes that they include. Thanks also to Jamie Hubbard, today's sound engineer, and to our friends at Lowcountry Community Church right here in Bluffton, South Carolina for making this podcast possible. Please head over to jeffcranston.com for more information about Dr. Cranston, his books, sermons, leadership notes, and blog posts. And Lord willing, next week we'll be back with another great episode. So there you go. Now go deeper. And until next time, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.